can take a seat. Uh, Kenny's going to come up and preach to us. I'm just going to pray before he comes up to preach. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in it we find uh, a way to voice our grief and suffering, um, that you invite us and, and call us to come to you and cry out to you for you alone are God. We thank you, Lord, that in this chapter, in these verses, we see hope. For you will not let evil have the last say. Father, I pray for Kenny as he comes to preach to us. God, would you uh, fill him with your spirit anew and uh, would you use what he teaches us today to change our hearts and convict us, to plant hope again in our hearts and in our minds where we may have felt hopeless, to restore to us a right perspective of who you are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Uh, it's um, it's August um, 1945, and World War II is officially over. Um, the conservative estimate that historians have agreed upon is 75 million people dead. Now let that sink in for just a minute. That that's not wounded. That's dead. 75 million people. The current population today of the United Kingdom is uh, around 62 million. To put that in perspective, 75 million people are dead. When you look at those 75 million, 85% of those dead were the Allies. I get that in perspective. You, you have the Axis powers primarily with Germany and Italy and Japan, and you have the Allied forces. And out of those 75 million people dead, 85% is among the Brits and the Americans and the French and the Polish, the allies. And so now the war is over and the world is thinking, well, what do we do now? Europe it lies in ruins. Um, East Asia lies in ruins. What do we do? And, and a, a man by the name of Marshall comes to President Harry Truman in the United States. And he says, I have a plan. And the plan is this. Let's set aside $20 billion. Now, to put that in perspective, in today's money, that would be $175 billion. So this man, Marshall, comes to President Truman and says, let's take $175 billion and let's go to Europe. Let's start in Germany and let's rebuild their country for them. Let's send another team to Japan and let's start in Tokyo, and let's rebuild Japan. And let's use this $175 billion not as loans, but as grants. It's money that they never have to pay back. And the response in Washington, to say the least, was mixed. For on December 7th, 1941, without uh, any warning, the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. It's where my grandfather was stationed in Pearl Harbor. And then uh, quickly after that, uh, Hitler declared war on the United States. And so the question was, why would we go and pay and rebuild the very countries that started war on us, that uh, led to to the destruction of 75 million people? Why would we pay and rebuild? 
And Truman believed it was the right thing to do. And so now, historically, that is known as the Marshall Plan. Uh, You learn about it starting in primary school in the United States. And the Marshall Plan was the plan to rebuild uh, Germany and Japan. And it went on for decades. And it's also why now in Japan, baseball is the most popular sport. And uh, Hershey's is the most popular chocolate. Uh, Rebuilt. And, and when I think of the Marshall Plan, I, I, I come to Lamentations chapter 3, and I just think this makes even less sense. Because what we learned in Lamentations chapter 2, if you were with us last week, and, and we've seen in the Bible Project video, is that the wrath of God, the justice of God, had been poured out on His people, and they had brought it on themselves. For 800 years He had warned them. I want you to think about that. I used the example last week of my mom used to count to three when I was doing something naughty. She would say one, two, and I knew if three came, I was in trouble. Now, my mom usually, because she's a mom, she would be like two and one quarters, two and three fourths. My dad would be like one, boom, right, done. Um, For 800 years, the Lord has been saying, stop, stop, stop. And for 800 years, they ignored him. And they embraced false gods. And they embraced temple prostitution. They took their women and turned them into prostitutes. They embraced child sacrifice. And they took their their very own children and killed them and sacrificed them to gods that don't exist. And for 800 years, the Lord had said, stop. And they continued. And so because he loved them, we saw last week, the Bible says, those he loves, he chastens. Hebrew says, So we saw last week that that God's justice was not God having a temper tantrum. It it was not God's uh, integrity in any way damaged. It was God saying, for 800 years, I've said, quit, and now you must be punished. And then we come to Lamentations chapter 3, and we see that this people who brought, if you will, the war on themselves, they brought the destruction on themselves. And here is God, the innocent party. It has been God's holiness under attack. It had been God's goodness that had been under attack. It had been God's love that had been under attack. And this God who in his righteousness could rightly say, you are on your own. Instead, he says, I will rebuild you. Uh, The people waged war on God. And he paid the bill for their salvation. And, And we come to the very heart of this. In verse 22, and so we're going to spend just a few moments beginning in verse 22 because it's in verse 22 that you see God's martial plan. It's in verse 22 where you see the Lord who has been the victim, the Lord who has been the one who has been under attack for 800 years. It is he who decides that he will work for the good of the people. So uh, uh, let's pray together. And then we're just going to spend a few moments uh, looking at um, God's goodness in the midst of difficult circumstances. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we, we are blown away by your goodness. Your grace is truly amazing. In fact, Lord, from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, all of humanity has been waging war against you and your goodness. And none are righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Lord, in my heart, I have waged war against you many a day. And yet we are reminded that you are good. 
that your mercies endure forever. And we, uh, of all people, are least deserving of your grace and your mercy. And yet, because of who you are, you love us. In fact, your word says in Ephesians that, that we were at enmity with you, that we were your enemies before we knew you. And while we were your enemies, you paid the cost. Your word says it was much more valuable than silver or gold. It was much more than billions of dollars. But you sent your one and only son, as we sang earlier, to die on the cross, that we, the enemies of God, might be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us now. In your word we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Needless to say, as we saw in the video, uh, God's people were in the midst of difficult, difficult circumstances. And and I appreciate what what the gent said from the Bible Project, that one thing that that we see about the Bible is God doesn't dodge the hard stuff. The the authors of the Bible, they, they don't just gloss it over and make it sound like everything's good. What we see in the scripture is that life can be hard and life can be challenging And all of us will face difficult circumstances because the brokenness of our own nature and the brokenness of the world around us, everything around us is broken. And because of that, uh, each of us uh, find ourselves at different times of life in the midst of difficult circumstances and their context, they had brought it upon themselves. And yet we see God's goodness. And so here's what I want us to do is we see these four things. I want us to to think of this as preaching the gospel to ourselves. Write this down. Take a picture of this. And in the midst of difficult times, preach this to yourself. Remind these truths. Bring them to your heart and mind that God might comfort you in the midst of difficult circumstances. Uh, Here's here's what we learn and here's what we need to preach to ourselves uh, on a regular basis. Number one, we see this. That in the midst of difficult circumstances, I remember that God is my source of mercy. In the midst of difficult circumstances, um, I'm clicking it, but nothing's happening, fellas. There we go. Um, in, in the midst, let me make sure everything is green. All right. Yep, good. All right. In the midst of difficult circumstances, I remember that God is my source of mercy. This is what he says in verse 22. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Uh, It it felt like they were going to just be wiped away. And yet the writer of Lamentations, probably Jeremiah, says, look, we, we will not be consumed. This will not be our end. This will not be our ruin. And certainly there are nations Uh, that don't exist today, nations that have been wiped off uh, the maps of history, the Amalekites, the Ammonites, the Canaanites, the Philistines. We, We could go on and on, all the ites of the Bible. They're not there anymore. And yet, we could get on a plane today and and go to Jerusalem, go to Tel Aviv. God, because of his mercy, they were not consumed. Uh, This word, uh, mercy, uh, some translations actually use the word love. And it it has kind of this threefold meaning. Um, He says, because of his love for us, the NIV says, we are not consumed. And this word love means mercy and goodness. Mercy and goodness. Uh, As a reminder, mercy 
is when we do not receive what we justly deserve. Mercy is when we do not receive what we justly deserve. Uh, I can remember coming home one evening. I was about 18 and had not been driving very long. And, uh, and I was coming home from a friend's house. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw the dreaded blue lights in my mirror. And, uh, and there was a police officer behind me. And I thought, well, he's probably just needs to get by. So I pulled over and he pulled over behind me. And I thought, well, maybe he's just going to where I'm going. And he was because he was pulling me over. And so uh, I pull over to the side of the road. And um, I was scared to death, 18 years old. And so I had my driver's license and my registration. And uh, I had my hands on the steering when he walks up. And, uh, and he says, um, uh, hello, how are you this evening? I said, fine. And I uh, gave him my driver's license. And he said, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, I, actually, I don't. And he said, well, you may not have realized it, but you were following the car in front of you really, really close. Now, the car in front of me was my best mate, and we were messing about. Um, And he said, did you know him? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you can't follow someone that close. And he said, let me, let me go back. So he goes back to his car and make sure I'm not, you know, robbing a bank or something. Comes back up. And this is what he says. I'll never forget it. He says, the ticket for following too close was $50 and three points off your license. I said, yes, sir. He said, do you admit you were doing it? I said, yes, sir, I do. And then he said, you deserve a ticket. You, You deserve a ticket. You've broken the law. But I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you a warning. And I'll just say, if, if it wouldn't have been weird, I would have jumped out and kissed him right on the cheek and just hugged him. Um, he said, you, you've done it. You deserve it, but I'm not going to give you what you deserve. He showed me mercy. Say, I earned the ticket. I deserved it, but he didn't give me what I deserve. And, and, and here he says, let us never forget that God never gives us what we really deserve. And for that, we should all be thankful. Amen? That God, because again, the Bible says none are righteous, no, not one. All of us think things we shouldn't think. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And yet because of Jesus on the cross, his death and resurrection, we, we experience God's mercy. We do not get what we justly deserve. And so in the midst of difficult circumstances, let's never forget that God is our source of mercy. That when things are bad, uh, he, he doesn't give us what we really deserve. In fact, he gives us grace. And grace is when we receive something we do not justly deserve, and that's heaven. And so in the midst of difficult circumstances, uh, we are reminded that God is our source of mercy We serve a merciful God. And by the way, it it is one of the unique things about Christianity. It's one of the unique things about the God of the Bible. Um, For most world religions, God is a God who is angry all the time. He is a God of wrath. He is a God who uh, relishes in judgment. He he is a God who, who is fickle and can send people to heaven or hell on a whim and change his mind. And yet when we come to the real God, the only true and living God, Yahweh, when we see who he is, he is a God of mercy. He takes no delight. The Bible says it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to acknowledge, uh, to a knowledge of eternal life. Now hear that again. He says it is not his will that any would perish. God takes no delight in anyone dying without Jesus. Ezekiel makes it really clear. Ezekiel says he takes no delight in the death of the wicked. 
Ezekiel says that. And you think about that. God takes no delight for sending Adolf Hitler to hell. He doesn't delight in that. He's glorified, but he doesn't delight in it. He says he takes no delight even in the destruction of the wicked. Aren't you glad we have a merciful God? Amen. You can mumble it behind your mask. Amen. We have a merciful, merciful God. Let's never lose sight of that. Uh, Secondly, we see this, church, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, I remember that God is my source of mercy, but also remember that God is my source of compassion. That God is my source of compassion. Uh, He says in verse 22, he says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. His compassions never fail. Never fail. Uh, The word compassion here in Hebrew means tender love and kindness. Tender love and kindness. It's the word compassion here. And and actually, it's a really interesting word uh, in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word for the womb of a woman. It's a bit odd, isn't it? It, It's the exact same word for the womb of a woman. And the idea is this. That the, the compassion of God, it, it comes from the very depth, from the very core of God. And a womb is what? A womb is life-giving, yeah? Right? In the Bible, that's, that's the image. And, and so it's this, and by the way, this isn't the only place where we see this in the Bible because we often think of God as Father. But, but there are other examples in Scripture where God will describe his love in a motherly context. You know, um, uh, Jesus looks over Jerusalem and says, How many times have, like a mother hen, I wanted to gather you and place you under my wings? Yeah? And so here, this beautiful image, this Hebrew word of compassion, it's this loving, motherly, tender love. It's the tender love of a mother. And there is nothing like it in the world. Amen? There's nothing like it. It's very interesting um, growing up. Um, if, if Max or Kayla fell on the playground or crashed their bike, if they were injured in any way, guess who they asked for? Their mom, right? They wanted mom. And when I was a kid and I was injured, I, you, you want the love of a mother, you want the love of my mother. My dad was in the Marines. So my dad was, was built of the type, and you might have a dad like this or know him. My dad had phrases like rub some dirt on it, right? Like if you were hurt, just rub dirt on it. Um, if it's not broken or bleeding, it's not hurt. Any, anybody know those kind of, that? thank you, Simon. Those, that was my dad's motherly instinct. Rub some dirt on it. If it's not bleeding or broke, you're okay, right? My mom would just be like, does it have a boo-boo? Does it have a movie? Right? And kissing and loving and like she's kissing the wrong arm, you know, but I don't care. It's, it's the love of a mother. Now, don't miss this, yeah? Don't miss this. It's amazing to keep our theme of World War II. If you've ever seen Save It, Private Ryan, or if you've ever talked to actual veterans, it's amazing how many young men dying on the field of battle will call out for their mother. Will call out. For their mother. It is the tender, loving kindness. And this is the Hebrew word. This is beautiful. This is the Hebrew word that God uses to describe his love for you. 
It is the tender, loving kindness of a mom. That is beautiful. And when life is hard, when things are happening all around you and you're thinking, what is going on? I've never hurt like this before. I've never been this confused. Preach to yourself that you have a God who is merciful and you have a God who has tender, loving kindness towards you. Amen. In the midst of difficult circumstances, God is our source of mercy. God is our source of compassion. But then thirdly, we see this church, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, I remember that God is my source of salvation. That God is my source of salvation. Look what he says uh, as as we continue down. Uh, In verse 25, he says this. He says, the Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the ones who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, and it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He says, when when life is hard, when things are difficult, we remember that God is our source of mercy. Remember that God is our source of tender love and kindness. But we remember that God is our source of salvation. And here this word in the Hebrew means to rescue. It's the word for deliverance. It's the word for deliverance. It's, It's the word for rescuing someone. Rescuing someone. I don't know if you saw recently in the news two separate tragedies in London, both of them involving one, a a boy falling off Tower Bridge into the Thames, and another, a woman who was in the Thames and drowning, and uh, and, and bystanders went to help, and, and a gentleman swam out to help, and he drowned in the process of trying to rescue her. And that's the word for rescue. It's the word for deliverance. It's, it's putting your life at risk to save someone else. And the Bible says, greater love has no man than he lays down his life for another. If you ever doubt, if you ever doubt, or maybe I should say when we doubt, when we doubt the love of God, we need look no further than the cross. Whenever I doubt, God, if you loved me, why is this happening? God, if you cared about me, why is my family going through this? God, God, if, 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 if you loved me, I, I don't understand. Why would you allow this to happen? And in those times, I must remember that, listen, God's love is not based on what's happening to me today. But God's love was fixed upon you and me 2,000 years ago. When he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. And he paid the penalty so you and I wouldn't have to. And that is the word salvation, to rescue. Jesus didn't jump in the river. Jesus hung on a cross. But praise God, three days later he rose again. Amen, church? He rose again. And because of that, you and I have salvation in Jesus Christ. When life is hard, when circumstances are difficult, may we never forget that that God is merciful towards us, that God is kind and loving towards us. But guys, it's really settled here at the cross. It's settled here. And whenever you feel like, God, are you there? God, do you still care? Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, the old hymn says. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and know that he loves you. Uh, Finally, we see this, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, (laughs) I remember that God loves me. I remember that God loves me. Uh, This is what he says in uh, verses 31 through 33. He says, For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. It's that same Hebrew word. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affection or grief to anyone. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to read it again. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. That's that kindness, that tenderness. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affection or grief to anyone. God loves us. And that is good news. God loves us. In fact, uh, in, in, a, in America, often, uh, if you've grown up in church in America, growing up like, you know, you, you, your parents bring you from a baby on, you know, uh, one of the first songs you usually learn in Sunday school in America is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible, what? Tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. And then the chorus, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. If, if someone were to, to ask me, summarize this book in three words, it would be, Jesus loves you. That, that would be it. Jesus loves you. Something else that soldiers often do is they'll write letters home. And it's usually to their mom and to their sweetheart. Uh, when we were putting, uh, we were, my grandmother uh, had dementia. And so we had to fly out to California where she lived. And it's my sister and I and my mom, and we're packing up uh, all of her things. And we came across loads of interesting things. And there was a box, and uh, my grandma made sure to tell my mom that none of us were to look into it. And, and, uh, and of course, what's that make you want to do? Look in the box, right? And I remember asking my mom, man, what's what's in the box? She said, well, I think they're love letters from your grandpa from the war. I'm like, please, can we read them, please? And she said, no. My mom, because you forget your parents are kids too. And I remember my mom started crying and said, that's between my mom and dad. Love letters. Uh, This book... It's a love letter from God. It's a love letter from God. From Genesis to Revelation, this book reminds us over and over and even after 800 years of disobedience and prostitution and child sacrifice, after 800 years, God still says what? My love for you is never failing. Isn't that great? Good news. Uh, We see it in 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. For this is real love. Not that we loved God, 
Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Look at that again. God showed Erdington how much He loved it by sending His one and only Son into the world so that Erdington might have eternal life through Him. And this is real love. Not that Erdington loved God, but that he loved Erdington and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away the sins of every man, woman, and child in Erdington. Amen, church. Life is hard, life is full of challenges. The Bible doesn't always give easy answers. But the Bible always reminds us that come hell or high water, we have a God who is merciful, who is kind, who is loving, and who sent his one and only son that we might be saved. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are so good. And thank you that before we ever knew you or loved you, that you first loved us. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 where you say that not only were we in darkness, but we were your enemy. We, we weren't neutral. We were your enemy. And while we were in darkness, while we were enemies of you, God, you sent your son to die for us that we might be brought into the light, that we might be adopted into your family, that we might be called children of the Most High God. And Jesus, I pray for each of us uh, this morning. And Lord, whatever it is we might be facing, whatever difficult circumstances, whatever mountain we're climbing, whatever hole we're trying to climb out of, Lord, may we be reminded this day of your mercy of your love, and of salvation full and free. In Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.